Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. يغفر لمن يشاء ويعذب من يشاء والله غفور رحيم My dear brothers and sisters Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh I'm going to inshallah start the tasjid of Surah Al-Imran uh, from where I left uh, last time and that is the verse 129 and before that I just like to say a few words about the month of Ramadan and then that how we spend our time in this lockdown first thing you know understand very clearly which actually many people are confused that the rulings of Islam they are two types those rulings which are for normal conditions when people are in safety security they are not ill they are not traveling in those conditions they have to obey their law as best as possible if they can't do something then they are forgiven so like the prayers people should do in congregation in the masjid they should attend the Jumu'ah they should fast in the month of Ramadan and all the normal uh, rulings. The second condition is when people are in emergencies and forced conditions as we are now in this lockdown. In the forced conditions and emergencies the rulings become easier. Why? So people can focus more on those emergencies. Here the ruling is not that if you can't do this then do this. No. Even if you do can do something better, still you do take easy condition. Why? Then you can focus on your emergencies. I give example. In the battle of Uhud, uh, the Prophet and his companions had big hardship. And nearly 70 people have been killed. So now there is a really big concern and the Prophet has to console them to reorganize his, his, his people and to encourage them and to uh, make their Iman stronger. He has to bury these 70 people. Yeah, it is possible for them to dig the grave for everybody and to make 70 graves for 70 people. He, they can do, but the Prophet wants to save their energy for something more important. So what he did, as it is in Sahih Bukhari and other books of the Hadith, that the Prophet buried two people or more than two people in the same grave. So then they can save the energy for something else. Similarly, when you are traveling, your concession is to do the prayer of the four rak'ah, like Zuhr, Asr, and Isha, as two. 
so that we do even actually in many condition in many many conditions while traveling we can do four raka we can do even nafl we can do more more prayers but still islam has advised us to do two raka why so they can we, we can save our time and we do things which are more important you know because of the journey and uh, uh, emergencies so this keep in mind so now this uh, uh, in the lockdown has happened yeah there are people who think you know i can go to the mosque and i can still you know pray and nothing will happen and i don't care maybe they can do this thing and nothing will happen but this is not the way of islam take the concession stay at home and focus more on something else because these emergencies come from allah subhanahu wa to teach you something else that we need to learn that inshallah i'll come to working on so those emergencies Fine. So those emergencies, you know, people have to understand. It is not that you know just keep doing normal way. I know attending the prayer of Jumu'ah in the mosque. No, stay at home. But you can focus on something else. Really, you you need to learn what Allah wants to teach you uh, in these emergencies. Similarly, for example, uh, like you know, in our time, doctors are you know on the front. and they really do so you know so much things and they need to be alert and they need to be in full uh, you know sense of what they doing uh, you know they can do their work with more precision and very accurately so now ramadan is coming many of them have been asking me you know should we fast or not to fast so i just uh, you know published an article in which i made my argument very clear the doctors should not fast all the medical staff they should not fast and they should focus on their work some people will give fatwa that you know if they should make effort to fast and if they can't fast then they allowed to have concession no even if they can fast still they should not fast why because they need to focus more uh, you know on their work they should be more precise in, in what they do so if they follow this fatwa you know that you know to fast they will actually uh, will not be able to concentrate on their work so we have to understand this is a false condition doctors can fast you know in latan and similar fatwas have been given by the ulama before when they are defending their own cities so you know they did not fatwa was not to fast so they can save their energy to focus on the fighting so this keep in mind in our time you know this ramadan there will be many many things which we have been doing normally now we will not be able to do you know you will not be able to do shopping i used to do in, in a, you know in other ramadan so you will not be able to have same food as you did before so don't worry you know it does, you don't lose anything what will happen actually is that now you have more time more focus on something more important allah wants to teach you you can learn and you can reorganize your life and actually become much more focused and save your your life from the from the wasting of the time similarly i gave the fatwa that uh, you know people should not worry too much about the washing the dead body uh, and they should bury them without that and we hope they are shaheed and their sins are forgiven anyway reason is because the people who do washing there are very few people and so many people are dying so we should save their energy for something else and if they get illness it will be big problem for the community do we have to save the time and take the you know concession as as much as possible 
Some people, they become more religious in these hardships. And they think that if they do this, they get more reward. Then what happens is they become so tired, they can't do something else which is more important. So, you know, understand this religion properly. Understand what Allah wants to teach. teach. Learn from the life of the Prophet that how he used to behave differently in the forced and conditions and emergencies. And inshallah, you'll have time for the questions uh, because, uh, you know, when I write my articles, uh, you know, I only write in the light of the questions that people have asked me. But there are certainly many questions which you have and I don't have in my mind. If you ask me, I'll answer. Maybe I write uh, some articles about those, uh, you know, uh, questions as well. Uh, now we coming uh, uh, before tafsir for this lockdown itself. You know, imagine really, you know, that uh, most people, what they think about themselves and this world. What, the way really people have been grow, growing up in the West and actually generally in the world, the way people have been growing up, they think, you know, we are independent. Actually, the people have used very often this sentence, uh, the man stands alone. What they mean by that is that, you know, there's no need for God, there's nothing, you know, man can do whatever he likes, you know, uh, uh, any human being can do their own, their stands, uh, they can use, you know, all the facilities and all the means of the world as they want. That's why uh, the, the teaching of the people in this world is, uh, you know, very often that, uh, you know, we are, you know, right here and we are right now, meaning it, Basically, we should do whatever, you know, make us to have, you know, easy life and comfortable life and luxurious life. Now, we should not delay it and we can do anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, always teaches people. Actually, people who have mind, they know all these symptoms are false and they are lies. They can see really that we human beings don't have the power that we, we think. We don't, we are not as independent as we think. The people who have mind, they can understand it every day. Rise of the sun, set of the sun, you know, our tiredness, our life, our sleep, everything teaches us why we fall asleep, why we are tired, <laughs> why sun rises and sun sets, why the night comes, why the, you know, uh, you know, night goes and then the day comes and the day goes. <laughs> why is it? that the rain comes and then you come dry. If you look in all these conditions, in these things that keep coming and changing, Allah SWT said in the Quran that in the alternation of the night and day and changing of many, many of these conditions, there are signs for those people who understand, who think. Use the mind. Every day Allah is teaching, you know, the way we are born, the way we die. You know, all the time He's teaching that everything happening because of His Rahmah, His mercy. Everything happens because of his power and will. Everything happening because of his knowledge. Actually, the truth of the matter is we don't have knowledge. Even the knowledge that we have got is given by to us. It's not that you know, we, we invented this. You know, we don't have the power. Even the power that we think we have got, this power actually is given by him. So wherever he has given power, the power is there. If he does not give the power, we don't have the power. The will that we have got is given by him. And you can say when he does not want to give the will, we become lazy. We even can't do things 
which are so easy to do, even among us really. Some people have will to do good things, some people don't have will. Though we are the same human being, reason is, is all from Allah. So these conditions in lockdown, they are force condition to pressure us to understand things properly. Actually, clever people, they don't need these force conditions, they understand even before that. But most people, they don't think, they are not clever. And most clever people even, they don't think that they know, need really these force conditions to imagine, to understand. So now, Alhamdulillah, we are in this lockdown, think that how Allah SWT with this small thing in make all this world to realize how dependent they are and they are not independent. But again actually think that Allah has taken us a very small thing. Still we have got so many things. Still we can have, you know, we can breathe, we can drink water, we can enjoy the life. You know, imagine if Allah SWT takes away from us the ability to drink the water. Our Allah SWT makes water in a way that it becomes poisonous. You know, it does not fulfill our need. We'll die. We can't do anything. We can't bring water. You know, if he makes the air poisonous, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? If Allah SWT makes, it takes away from us our eye, we can't see anymore. Or takes away from us hearing, we can't hear anymore. You know, if he takes away from us the ability to eat or digest, nothing we can do. You know, we basically, every moment we are dependent upon him. So he has taken us from us a small thing. So we should be patient and we should use that to remember many, many things. But at the same time, know clearly that still there are many millions of the things, millions of his favors that we enjoy. So we should thank him and we should remember those favors and we should ask Allah SWT to forgive our, our sins and to make us more to be on the right path. And the Quran says very clearly, uh, you know, just yesterday I was reading the Quran. I said, okay, I just opened my Mus'haf to see what Allah guides us, uh, you know, in this uh, condition. And I opened the first verse that came. It was, وَرَنُذِيقَنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَدْنَى دُونَ الْعَذَابِ الْأَكْبَرِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Certainly, will make them to taste uh, the uh, you know, smaller uh, punishment before the bigger punishment so they can turn back to us. Meaning it, Allah SWT always keeps sending small trials you know, to make us to remember, to remind us before the big, big punishment comes, before the day of judgment. So in this world, punishment will keep coming, small thing will keep coming to help people, either mercy for the people. Though they are punishment, certainly we, we suffer, but this suffering is good for us because it makes us to remember. So now, Alhamdulillah, we are in this lockdown. Don't waste your time because some people, what they will do, they think, you know, nothing to do, no work. So they will spend their time on the TV, you know, on those uh, entertainments. So they don't remember anything. Actually, the punishment for the people like that will be harsher in the Allah that I reminded you and still you did not remember. So don't waste your time. Spend your time in thinking. Turn to your Lord. Do the prayers. If you can't do congregation, do nafla prayer. Read the Quran and reflect on the Quran more and more because in this, in this world, no book can guide you except the Quran. And now, you know, you can see that the Quran can help you more and more. Those people who read the Quran in these conditions, they are less scared. Reason is because they already knew this thing. 
they already knew many of these things. So it, these conditions make their iman even stronger and you know much better. So don't just waste your time. Spend time on reading Quran. Look after your family. Look after everybody. You know, spend time on the even feeding the poor people, needy people. You know, one of my students. Uh, there's no harm to mention his name. You know, Mazhar uh, from Hero. He phoned me. You know, a few weeks back. Uh, actually, this is a good thing that he asked me that you know, if I need any help or anything for shopping and this and that. So I thanked him. But he insisted, you know, he really genuinely wants to help his teacher. And then he again phoned me another time. Uh, so I was very happy that there are some people who think about others. Uh, though Alhamdulillah, at the moment, we don't need help. So the people, we do our shopping, everything. But most time what happens is the people only keep, uh, you know, insisting on the teachers to ask the questions and so many things. And people keep sending uh, uh, their questions, uh, if the question, the answer does not come at the time, they become very angry and annoyed. They don't re re understand really. The teachers also are busy and they have, and they, you know, sometimes they are not feeling well. And sometimes there's so many questions. I make effort to answer the questions as much as possible. <laughs> I still cannot do anyway. So about the mother, one thing I liked that since this started lockdown, started what he did with some people, he started making the food and distribute the food to those people who cannot leave their houses, like the elderly people and ill people, and distribute the food among them. So this is one important thing that you can do in this lockdown. There are many people around us. They are elderly. They are very weak. They can't move. They can't do shopping. If you find about them and take the food to them, it will be you know, really very important, a very big help. And it is really one of the great virtues Allah wants to do uh, expect from you. So, you know, food that you eat, and actually the truth of the matter is uh, 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 staying at home. You're not doing much exercise. So eat less. And, uh, you know, and some of your food distribute to the people who you know, uh, it will be one of the important good things that you can learn uh, in, in this time. So we should do more like, you know, Mazhar, and actually even his, he mentioned that his wife, uh, you know, she... Um, you know, ask all the children of the family, they come together and she teaches them and and asking them questions, how much they have learned. I, th I hope and many of you must be doing this anyway. <laughs> but I'm just uh, using this story to remind all of us that don't waste time. So, you know, children can play and all, but still teach them, ask them questions, remind them about the hereafter you know, teach them, you know, the surah of the Quran and how to pray and how to worship their Lord. So, Alhamdulillah, you know, I mentioned to you that what you can do in this uh, lockdown, uh, a summary of the matter is, do more prayers, read Quran, not just reading, reflecting and understanding and pondering, be more pious, don't do backbiting, don't watch those programs which are sinful, uh, things like that, you know, don't use your mobile for something which is uh, wrong, don't spend your time all the time talking to the people and gossiping because there's no benefit in that other than wasting your time and their time. <laughs> and reflect more and more. That, that is more important that you know you reflect and ponder. So, Alhamdulillah, I mentioned some, you something about this uh, lockdown. Okay, let me come actually and remind you uh, something more about the Quran.
because it's about uh, uh, Ramadan is coming and also I'm doing tafsir. Why Quran is so important? You know, the people in this world, they have come and did not have knowledge. So the knowledge that they get really is from their experience, from this world, you know, through using their eyes, their ear, and all those things. But there are many things in this life, in this world, which cannot be seen, which cannot be heard, which cannot come under your experience. So you're ignorant of that. And when you're ignorant of something, it harms you. For example, if people don't have eye and they can't see, it really, you know, they basically they are harmed if people cannot hear. So as you learn from your hearing, from your eye, from your experience, you need to have the knowledge of those things which are beyond your experience, which you cannot hear, which you cannot see. Like for example, Sheikh Saadi Rahmullah had mentioned a story that a big bird was flying in the sky. It was, she was hungry. So she found, she saw from very dis, big distance some grains on the ground. She came to pick the grain to eat it. When she came, she was trapped in a net because there was a hunter, he put a net and some grains to hunt the birds. So the bird came to eat the grain, but she was trapped. So what she saw, she only saw the grain, but she could not see uh, the net which was put there uh, to hunt it. So in this life, you know, our eyes see something, but they also don't see many things. We hear something, but we don't hear many things. Actually, people don't understand what seeing means. Seeing always means seeing and not seeing. That's what we don't understand. When you see something, it means you don't see many, many things. So whenever, when we, you hear something, it means at the same time there are many, many things, but you don't hear them. You only hear one thing. So that's what people keep. If people think they see, but the truth of the matter, they don't see. They see very, very tiny bit. They see, you know, less than 1% of what they need to see. <laughs> now you listen to me, but there are millions of the things happening now. You don't listen. Similarly, when you smell, you smell something, but you don't smell many, many things. When you experience something, you experience something, but you don't experience many, many things. And mean, those many, many things that you don't hear, you don't see, don't experience, sometimes they are more and more important than what you see. Like, for example, you know, your child watches a movie and so much deep in watching that and, you know, enjoy that and all those things. And, you know, they think that this is the best thing in their life and all those things. But they don't understand really. At the same time, there are things which are much more important, but they don't realize. They can't turn away. They are so much deep in that. So they miss those important things and they become loser. This is actually so true to for all of us. That when we focus, it means we don't focus. When we see, it means we don't see. When we hear, it means we don't hear. What Quran does, Quran brings to our mind all those things that we don't hear, but we need to hear. Quran brings to our mind all those things that we don't see, but we need to see. And if you don't see what Quran wants to show us, we will be loser. And what we see cannot help us. That we need to understand properly. All the scientists, 
and all the philosophers, they're human beings like us. What they do, they use their eye better than us. They use their hearing better than us, and they use their mind better than us. But still, they only use for what they can see. But all those matters which they cannot see, they don't know. They may sometimes, sometimes deny. So they make things which they see bigger, more important, because they can see better than us. So they actually deceive us more than anybody else. <laughs> so you think they're clever people. You know, the, how they highlight a problem which we did not see so well. But you don't understand really when they make a problem bigger, they're harming you. Because there are problems much bigger than that. Since they can't see, so they all focus on the small problem, which we could not see so good, but they are better than us, so they make it bigger. You think they are great people. They are great people, but at the same time, they're harming us. They make a tiny problem very, very big, but there are bigger problems they can't see. So in this life, for example, like eating, drinking, and all those things, you know, very important. And the philosophers and scientists can actually teach you about those matters so much, and you become so much focused on that, so the real problem you don't know. What Quran does, Quran brings to you attention, to your attention, all the big problems that scientists cannot know, philosophers cannot understand, clever people cannot know, advisors don't 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 know, scholars don't know, or we don't know. Nobody knows. Allah knows because He's the Creator. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, Allah ya'alamu man khalaq, wa huwa al khabir. Well, Allah will not know those who He created. He created us. He knows really us. He knows what we need to know. So what Quran does, Quran brings all those problems very, very clearly. The problems in the Day of Judgment, what paradise means, what hellfire means, problem after the death. Actually, even the problems of this life, which we cannot see. What we see is, if I lend money to you, 100 pounds, and then I get 120 pounds, oh, it is big profit. I see but I don't seriously by forcing you to pay me 120 instead of 100, I am creating a big problem for you and for the whole society. That is something I cannot see. Become selfish. Quran will show us. Quran says, no, when you take 120 instead of 100, 100, you are committing a big crime for the humanity. And the Quran makes the crime very, very clear so people understand properly. So even though the matters where people can see, there are many, many aspects people still don't see. Scientists don't see, philosophers don't see, and Allah reminds us. So now, you know, read these verses, and you can understand the problem much clearly. So now the Quran says, Allah SWT says, I start before the riba in text, these verses, وَلِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ رَحِيمُ the verses here are in Surah Al-Ibrad about the jihad, fighting in the path of Allah Taala. Fighting actually has two sacrifices. One is sacrifice of the life, and the other one is sacrifice of the money. Because certainly jihad cannot happen without money. You know, people need, in those days, people needed horses, camels, swords, and other weapons, you know, to fight, and also the food. Because when people are going for jihad, they can't earn money. So they need for the food to spend upon them. So Allah SWT encourage the rich people, they must spend the money on the, on the jihad. Buy the weapon, you know, provide the horses and the camels, and also, you know, 
needs of the fighting people and also their family. Because since they are, these fighters, they are not earning money, their family has nothing to eat and drink. So now people need to spend money upon them. So this is what the Quran is reminding us that people should do. And then Allah SWT reminds us, Allah is the one who Allah is the one who owns everything. So Allah does not need anybody really. Why He created the need? So to in order to make us better human beings. If He did not create need for the people, you know, to for money, rich people have no no way to spend money. So they can't be generous. You know, they are not tested properly. Their generosity will not be tested. Allah can make everybody rich. Nobody needs anybody, but no, he wants really to improve us, to make us better human beings. So he creates a need for money, to spend money. Then rich people have the ability to spend money and they become generous and they become near to Allah Taala. So that's why he, he made it. So that, you know, one of the great uh, scholars of Islam, Imam uh, Abu Umar al-Maqdisi, Rahimullah Ta'ala, he's the founder of, uh, uh, you know, big mosque and... Uh, big madrasa in, in Qasiyun, in, in Syria, and his family played a very important role in Islam. They originally were from Baitul Maqdis, but when Crusaders, uh, Crusaders uh, uh, occupied Baitul Maqdis, he was forced uh, to do Hijrah, and he came to uh, Syria and settled in Damascus. People should read his biography and his family's biography. They're big, big people. So when he settled there, one thing he said to his family, they're big in the family, so he said to them, when a poor person, beggar comes to you, you know, give some money. And it's, give something, whatever you got, some food, some money. Because if you don't give, somebody else will give. Meaning, Allah SWT has created a need, uh, this need, to test people. If you fail the test, somebody else will pass the test. So this beggar will get food, but not from you, from someone else. So that we need to, these verses are reminding us that you know when the time for the jihad comes, then the rich people they should spend and they should know really what they what they have got from Allah. If Allah wanted, He could have made those people rich and you had been poor. So you know it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People should remember him. And if you obey him, then he forgives you. He forgives those who he wills. Meaning, you know, those who listen to his command and obey him, they are forgiven. And those who don't listen, don't obey him, then he'll punish them. And Allah SWT does not want to punish anybody. He wants to forgive everybody. He wants to have mercy upon everybody. So Allah said, Wallahu ghafuru rahim. Allah is all forgiving and all merciful. From this actually we can learn for our condition now that, you know, in this lockdown, you know, in, you know, in your country, you know, this country is rich. And also the people who are running the country, they understand the need of the people much better. You know, it's a more democratic country and actually uh, Allah should reward the people who are think uh, to help the people. So at least they are helping, they're going to uh, provide to you, uh, you know, I think 70% or something, 70% of your wages uh, they're going to give in the time when you don't work. So it's a big help for the people. Uh, so here people will not be more worried, even if they don't have work, still they can get their money, they will not die out of hunger. Maybe few people are uh, in a desperate need, but most people who have been working now in this lockdown, they will get at least 70% of their money, which will be enough for the people 
to to live and survive because they are not going to waste their money any because when you in normal conditions you waste your money so much going here you know and uh, so many things now you don't do any of those things even 70% will be more than enough for most of the people but not every government is so generous you know people who live in india you know they have also locked down and many other countries and those people actually some of those you know i have read their story they say we will die out of hunger before we die uh, because of the virus because you know they don't have money they don't have food so these people need to be helped and alhamdulillah i heard really there are some mosques in bombay uh, they're doing a very good job uh, the people in the mosque they make food and they make sure that nobody sleeps uh, you know hungry they make sure to the food reaches to every hungry people in their locality so mosques are now used for a good purpose and also they provide shelter for the people because there have been so many uh, you know workers at, you know in bombay now they don't have anywhere to go so they providing the shelter you know nicely so it is good help uh, so i'll request and remind uh, you know everybody like you know, living in india and everywhere that you know, make sure that if you have money you know, spend the money and food for those who don't have it because this is test from under sahutara people who live in this country sometimes could be there are people like elderly people they don't have food so find out about them and provide them sometimes you know maybe you think there are people who more uh, help need of the help in india and pakistan and bangladesh palestine and some other country and if you can send money to them it can be helpful for them uh, you should do and i'll advise, advise you when you give money as a charity don't go through the agencies because all these charities one uh, when, when i learn about them more and more i hate them more and more i advise you really there your contact with the poor, poor people should be as direct as possible sometimes they give one pound and they make for they humiliate the uh, the poor person he has got dignity so they show in the camera they take photo how much uh, you know how much uh, work they have done here and there and you know and actually most of these people they spend more money on themselves rather than for people most charities that you give more money give to these charities they spend you know 50% 60% 70% on themselves and their offices and their work and money hardly reached uh, to the poor people in if you can spend money on the, those projects directly you know there are many madrasas now they will not have money you spend upon them directly not through any they, all money will reach to them there are many mosques now even this country they will not have enough to pay for their imams how many colleges you know muslim islamic colleges many good projects like in you know, cambridge islamic college and all these projects you know they're struggling so if you have enough money you should actually spend upon them on their teachers or those things then these works can continue so it is big big test for all the believers uh, you know instead of enjoying your luxurious uh, life and your money you should make effort to share with everybody and allah will have mercy upon you and on your family you cannot imagine really when allah looks at the people that they are so generous then he gives the barakah for them and their future families so when you die allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of your families and there are i know really there are many many rich people they did not spend money so money became a curse for them you know the children start killing each other fighting each other and then the, the family could not survive and there are people who are not so rich 
but they're generous, they're obedient of their Lord. So the money became barakah for them, blessing for them. So whatever Allah gives for you, always understand Allah the way He can use the same thing to bless you and the same gift to curse you, to bring hardship. Like when the angels came to Ibrahim al Islam, these angels they gave him good tidings of a son. And Ibrahim became happy, his wife became happy, so happy. And then they said to Ibrahim al Islam, now we're going to people of Lut al Islam to destroy them. The same angels they brought good news for Ibrahim and they brought punishment to the people of Lut. Quran mentions same wind comes, you know, and has good news you know, rain and cloud, but same wind also brings punishment for the people. So Allah can use the same thing in both directions. The money that has come to us, it is just a means. This means Allah can use to bring happiness, success for us, and this money he also can use to bring curse and punishment and hardship for us. Money does both things, because money is not itself independent to benefit anybody. It is slave of Allah. It can harm you, it can benefit you. To those people who obey their Lord in spending money, in earning money, money benefits them. Those people who don't obey their Lord in earning money and spending money, same money can harm them. Same with your time. We have got this time. Time is a big, big creation from Allah. It's a really great barakah blessing. Same time could be helpful for us but same time can be punishment for us. It depends how we use the time. If we use properly, it has so much blessing, so much barakah, and so much good for you. But if you don't use your time properly, it really is a big problem because at the same time you can use to earn sins. So there are people sitting back biting, slandering, you know, doing sinful things. The time becomes cursed for them. But there are people who use this time to obey the Lord for the prayer, you know, for earning money, looking after the family, in you know, serving their parents. So same time, you know, of people like us, you know, the who's who can, Allah can help us to teach and uh, to write something useful for the community or to guide them, the time can be barakah and blessing. But if we keep wasting our time, yeah, certainly it is it's not barakah to understand properly anything that Allah has given, every favor is a test. It could be good for you, so Allah sent us good, but people make it bad. So it's a big, big test. So that's why Allah SWT mentioned that everything has given to people, he gave to forgive them, but people used to get punishment. So he said, And then he said, He did not say, Allah forgives and Allah is forgiving and punishing. No, Allah always wants to forgive. He's all forgiving or merciful. People don't want forgiveness. So they get punishment, but he does not want to punish anybody. Like a good father for his children, you know, he wants to be nice, he wants to be good to the, all the children. He does not want to be angry, he does not want to punish anybody discipline. But some people don't listen, don't obey, and all the time keep doing things which are harmful for them. So sometimes the father has to be angry and to discipline. discipline. But this is not what he wants to do. But he does because he has no choice. Same Allah does not want to punish anybody. Does not want to bring any hardship to anybody. He always wants to be merciful. He wants to have, you know, benefit people. And we can see very clearly. But some people don't listen. They keep wasting their time, keep wasting their all the resources. So he reminds them, reminds them, reminds them until the time comes 
when there's no, no, nothing left but to, but to punish those people. I think I've been uh, thinking while, you know, in this uh, time, uh, you know, for more than a month, I did not leave my house. And sometimes I'm tired, sometimes, you know, I'm done just lying down. So when lying down, sometimes, you know, sometimes something keep thinking. So one thing keep in mind that when we were younger and children, do many things wrong, but nothing happened. No punishment came from Allah, and still the life was going very well. When we became older now, if we do a small sin, punishment comes very quickly. Why is it like that? So it came to my reason is because when people are, you know, younger, they need more understanding, more thinking, more learning, more reminding. So Allah gives them time. He does not punish them, delay their punishment. If they miss one prayer, still they don't feel any punishment because they have been more and more chance. But when people have learned enough, they become, you know, 30-year-old, 40-year-old. Now still they don't learn. Then reminder and punishment comes very, very quickly. Even they do small things. Same thing like, you know, for father, you know, young ch children, the father ignores their mistakes much more. Like, you know, somebody four-year-old, they do mistakes, the father ignores, five-year-old ignores, six-year-old. But they become grow more like 10-year-old, 11. Then they start become angry and, you know, disciplining more and more because they have enough time to understand and learn. So same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, we need to understand how he, 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 he does everything. So anyway, so I explained to you that, you know, when you lie down, when you are alone, actually you should have some time for yourself. So just think, you know, reflect and contemplate and how, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things in this world. So you will learn many, many things in this world. Otherwise, many people just they cover their eye and they don't learn anything. So Allah said Allah does not need anybody's help. So it is all about battle of Uhud and all those battles in Islam that if people help the believers, they help because they benefit. If they don't help, you know, it is their problem. Allah does not need anybody else. You know, he is the one who creates money, everything. So this is one thing Allah said, you know, spending money. And actually, by doing this, he showed us the faces of people like Abu Siddiq. Omar al-Farooq. Uthman and many, many great women in Islam, that these are the people they listen, they spend the money. They gave horses and camels and swords to the fighters. They spend money on their families. So we can see how great they have been, really. Amazing people, if you read, read their biographies. In Umar Khattad, Allah says, once the Prophet asked us, to donate some money for some needy people. So Omar said that was the time when I had so much money and you know things in my house. So this is the time when I will uh, win against Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is always you know forerunner. He always does the good deeds more than everybody. Omar said this is the time now for me when I will win and Abu Bakr will be left behind. I went to my house and got all the things in my house and made half. And I brought the half to the Prophet The Prophet asked me, Omar, what did you leave for your family? So I said, Oh Prophet, I left for them half of my money, half of the, everything, half. Then Abu Siddiq came and he gave whatever he had to the Prophet And the Prophet asked him, Oh Bukhar, what did you leave for your family? He said, Allah is messenger's name. Means he brought everything to the Prophet 
Tumar realized he can't actually win. He can't beat Abuqa Siddiqatullah. So this is a thing. And in this case, really, more important are those people who you don't see, who don't remind anything, and don't, don't want people to know their names. Uh, like you know, in the family of the Prophet later on, Tabi'in had been Ali's and Abidin. Ali is son of Hussein, and Hussein is son of Ali and Fatima. So this is great grandson of the Prophet Ali's and Abidin. People you think that among the family of the Prophet, Ali is the one who is not so generous. You know, he's you know, miser, he's stingy, he does not spend money. The reason is Ali has been that when people used to sleep in the night. He used to take the money, gold or silver, whatever he has got, and he used to throw them in the houses of the widows or orphans, so nobody can see them. So nobody knew he spent money. How people realized when Ali died, that many of those families who used to get money from him, they realized, oh, the money used to come from Ali. Now he's no more there. So you can see really that Anna, there are really many, many pious people like that. They spend money and nobody knows. So you should do the same, and you will see the more barakah. If only Allah knows and nobody else knows, don't remind your favor, you will see so much barakah for yourself, for your family, and peace of the heart. And, and more important than that really is the paradise, because this life is not forever anyway. Everybody has to die. So if you can make paradise for you, that you are lucky. You know, then, then you are the one who are Quran says Sa'id, you know, happy person and successful people. Sa'id in Arabic means successful and happy. Your real happiness and success is when people get a, a paradise. So be among the people who are like Aqqa Siddiq and Umar Faruk. But at the same time, Medina, there are another group of the people that Quran now going to mention. They are the Jews. Jewish way always has been to make money from the money. You know, they don't want to work properly and they were huge money. They used to lend money and then take, you know, uh, profit on, on the money, interest on the money, and basically, you know, the poor people and, you know, they go and borrow money from them and that to pay back, you know, in, uh, in more money. So, you know, what I really learned was from the people is that when poor come to you, be more generous. Actually, people should give them for nothing. But still, if you want to just lend them money, lend them money, either then it takes the same amount not to take any profit from them, because poor people need you know, more mercy, more love, you know, you give sadaqah, you know, give them gift, you know, help them, not to exploit their condition. So this is a very bad, exploiting the condition of the poor people is a very, very bad manner, very, very bad manner, it never, never should be allowed. That's why I say that Islamic banks, they are not Islamic. Because Islamic banks, if you look properly, and Islamic, all Islamic finance system in modern time, it does not help poor people. Actually, it is very, very expensive for poor people. If people, poor people have to borrow money from Islamic banks, they have to pay more than the conventional banks. If poor people have to take anything from the Islamic finance system, they will suffer more and more. If you look in Islamic uh, you know, system of uh, finance in, in the in Quran, Sunnah, and also the earlier book, it always very, very helpful for the poor people. Much, much relaxed. The people can find it easier. They don't need to go to non-believers. In our time, really, if you look, Muslims find, you know, conventional mortgages cheaper than Islamic mortgages. 
think really isn't it discouraging for people it and you can see Islamic banks there are Islamic banks that don't exist <coughs> in the poor areas if you go to Pakistan and you will look for Islamic banks you will only find them in the rich areas because rich people are the one who benefit from them not the poor people because they want to make more and more money it is very bad for believers really that they become so so bad for the poor you should believers should be known really that they are shelter for the poor poor from any community muslims and non-muslims they should think that you know, if i come to muslim i'll be helped you know he'll give me food he'll give me money even if i borrow money for a muslim he'll give me money no, with no interest maybe he even forgive the money that what should happen but there are people very very dark their heart very very dark and these people that exploit the money to so the jews were in medina they used to do the same thing you know now my mind actually is uh, turning to another condition and i though it is not very much related to the money but i must uh, highlight that problem because it is very very big problem really same thing happening in our community there are people who are ill many many women some people have got you know, psychological problem mental health problems many many problems these people men and women in muslim community don't you think they need help they need to help them you know you know find a good cure for them advise them to go to right doctors give them money to help but they are dirty people possessed by shaitan what they do they exploit these people very very badly and many of them are ulama they're scholars so they say no you have got a magic jinn uh, has possessed you nothing actually and i know some of these people they say they, they know it's nothing but they just want to make money some of these people in Leicester, you know in uh, all these people for every visit they take from the women 400 pounds 450 pounds or something like that what they do really they make their problem even deeper because the problem is what they say you know that these people they have got some health problem advise them rightly and give them maybe Quranic verses they can it can help them you want to make money so you advise them around you say no you got possession you possessed by jinn you got magic and now these men and women they spend more and more money and some of these people who who are really basically cursed for the for the society sometimes they're behind that they do they harm uh, they do harm people women and their children physically and uh, sexually abuse very very badly and when some of these people want to report to the police and they want to bring the case to the court then these ulama they warn them if you go to the court my jinn will come and kill you so they're so scared i have been given many of the information in somebody somebody has emailed me uh, all the information about many many scholars that how they abuse the community and inshallah soon i'm going to write a good article because i think it is my my duty to alert people that you should go to the court and should not be scared of any jinn nothing no, nothing will happen all these people they're cursed by allah so let me uh, make very clear it is not only jews you know who used to take uh, interest in medina they are cursed by allah all muslims who do the same thing you know they lend money and they take interest they will be cursed by allah taala similarly all those people who exploit the conditions of the needy people and give them wrong advice in order to make money they will be cursed by allah taala in this world and in thereafter and nobody can save them they are people very dirty very bad i pray i don't know so many bad words in english language but if i know i use all of them against these people they should be hated 
and everybody should hear them. If I have to write in Urdu, really I can use so many words against it, but I hear these people. Because if somebody comes to you to help and you deceive, you cheat, you say, no, you have this problem, that problem, which they don't have. Why? To make money and to make the problem longer. Don't you think really that, you know, do you, don't you have any heart? Don't you have any kindness? This one, this thing you can do in this world? Do we need any shaitan in this world? And I think after these people, Iblis should actually should do atikaf. He does not need to do anything because they, his agents, these are his agents. They can, you know, mislead people and cheat people and harm them much more than anybody else. This is a really very bad condition and I would ask all of you that anybody who has got any mental health problem or psychological or any health problem, don't, don't, never go to any raqi, don't go to any alim, don't go to any scholar, just go to right medical, you know, health advisor, go to them and other people in the community, they should help them to encourage them, it will be much, much safer. Because the way exploitation happening in the society is very, very bad. If you know, many of you know, don't know the details, and I know the details, even the people who are now famous in the community, either Mufti and Alim, they are involved in all these bad sins. And soon their names will be known to you seriously. And my fear is that many people will leave Islam. They think, you know, if, it's, if ulama are doing these things, uh, you know, then Islam is not good religion. That advice really, these cases should be brought to the court. The people know that the Muslims are the ones who do justice. You know, they don't harm anybody. So anyway, this is the important point. Reason is because in this lockdown, many of the details have been you know, emailed to me and I came to know them, which I knew only little, but now I know more and more. And I don't want to write an article now because I don't want to uh, you know, disturb people in this condition. But once uh, this lockdown has finished, so I'll inshallah write a detailed article about what the abuse that happening in the society, in Muslim society in UK and in America and the Western world on a very large scale by Muslim ulama scholars, I shall write in detail so people can know and they can be saved from these people. And it is the duty upon us that we must help needy people and must protect them from all the wrongdoings. So as I mentioned, another problem that was in the society, on one hand, you have people like Abu Siddiq, Umar al farooq those who want to spend money, want to help poor people for nothing. They don't want to any any reward, they even actually don't want the money back. But at the same time, there are Medina people, they give money to the poor people, not to benefit them, not to know, to take more money, to harm them, to exploit their condition. And that actually is the worst coming now, next, the worst about the riba. Uh, you know, today I got hay fever and, you know, not feeling very well. But I said, I promised to start the class, I'm they started. So one hour passed and make dua for me. May Allah help all of us and cure. Uh, so I think I will start here, inshallah. And next week I will continue from the verse of the riba and because it needs more, more explanation. Uh, so I'll explain to you. But uh, if you have any questions, please ask. Um, for, for imams and teachers who teach deceived to the community, youth and children, do you have advice on how to approach teaching so that we can connect people to the Quran in their daily life? No, can you say that? Well, I don't forget, no. For imams and teachers who mm. teach tafsir to the community, youth and children, mm. do you have advice on how to approach teaching so that we can connect people to the Qur'an in their daily life? Yeah, I know it is very important question, really, imams and teachers, and actually many people, like you know, many of you who are attending my class, if you take notes, there's no harm 
to use these notes to teach people what you know. Don't teach what you don't know, but teach what you know. Uh, actually, I should write something in English. I have written an article because somebody in India uh, asked me uh, that you know how we teach people Quran and how you know. So I wrote a detailed article in in, in Urdu that what is the process procedure that they should take uh, because that is the most important thing that people need to do really that we should connect people to the Book of Allah. Every human writing, even for the most pious people, is not perfect. It's not helpful, so helpful really. Allah knows everybody more than anybody else. We should make effort to connect people uh, uh, to the Quran with the Quran. What you need to do is, before teaching tafsir, you need to learn yourself. So if, if you're going to teach people uh, tafsir Surah Al-Fatiha, read it. And first step, think, when this surah was revealed to the Prophet what did he learn? Reflect on that. Find out the stories, what he, how he learned Surah Fatiha, what happened to him and his community. Once you have understood that properly, that what the Prophet got, then your understanding of the Quran is right. Now you have to do second step. How can I learn benefit from this surah in my condition? Can my condition different from the person's condition? So let me reflect how this can guide me in my condition, my family life and all those things. Second step. The third step is people who are my audience, they don't know as I know. How can I make this message easier so they can understand? It can be accessible to them. And also I know their condition. How can I help them to... Uh, you know, to follow these verses. Basically, you have to get, uh, every teacher has to do three steps. First step is to uh, make effort to understand how the these surahs or these verses were understood by the Prophet and his companions and how they applied it, how they acted upon that. Second step is how, what I can learn from my life and how I can act. Third thing is how can I make it easier for the rest of the community who listen to me so they understand the same message and they act in the same way. Three steps. Meaning is you have to spend time. You know, before teaching, you spend time on to understand and reflect. You know, if you just go and teach without any thinking, it's not right. Many people just, you know, re repeat from somewhere and they don't spend their own time. So if you have to teach for one hour, at least you spend on that verse two, three, four hours. Then after that, you teach. your teaching will be more beneficial for the people. And if you don't know something, just tell people, I don't know. It will save people from any error and misguidance. I think it will be clear. Uh, and one thing is also, if you know Arabic, that's fine. If you don't know Arabic, don't worry. Still, you can learn message the Quran from translation and from tafsirs in Urdu and English, your language, and explain to the people. But one always keep in mind, don't teach people what you don't know. And if people ask you a question which you don't know, don't feel shyness to say, I don't know. I'll ask someone and then come back. If you do this, Allah will help you and inshallah your knowledge will grow and people will benefit from you. But if you teach what you don't know, then people are misguided. Okay. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Akram. I am a doctor and have been able to do nafil fasts without difficulty during Sha'ban. If a doctor is able to fast in Ramadan, should they fast? Yeah, you know, if they are able to fast, but I, at this moment, I will not advise. Reason is because the work that, you know, like any, like I, for example, when, when we are Ramadan, it becomes tired. But my work is different. My work is teaching. So Ramadan, fasting actually helps in those matter reflection, all those things. But the doctor's job is different. And especially in this condition, there's so much pressure upon them mentally and physically 
they really need to be more focused and more precise. Any mistake in their work can harm the life of the people. Uh, so I advise you, your doctor, don't worry, be patient. Do some, and it, since you feel pain for not fasting, you get reward for that. Focus on your, you know, uh, work. And when this, uh, you know, time has gone and you have time really, you know, for fasting, you can do same day, inshallah. Uh, but your pain, your thinking that, you know, I'm not fasting Ramadan, it itself is a big, big reward for you. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, my advice will be, even if you can fast, still don't fast. And delay your fasting for, you know, other time and focus on, you know, on other things, you know, and when you have time, do dhikr and all those things, Allah will help you, inshallah. Sheikh, what kind of tafsir would you recommend to read in Ramadan in Arabic and in English? You know, it depends how much time you've got, really. As I mentioned, three steps, really. Not all the books of tafsir have got all three steps. Uh, so, for example, you know, if you want to take an easy step to just to understand how the Prophet and his companions understood the Quran, for that purpose, you know, among the tafsir which are good, really, tafsir of Kashaf as the Makshari, Tafsir of uh, Tabari, very detailed one. And if you want to have something shorter, and that is Tafsir Ibn Kathir. Tafsir Ibn Kathir is shorter. It helps you to understand how the Quran was understood by the Prophet and his companion. But now you want to know your time, how you, uh, you know, uh, understand the Quran, the light of uh, your con context. In this one, uh, there are good Tafsirs in Urdu, in Arabic language. One is Tafsir Al-Manar, by Rashid Rida, but it's not complete, but it can help you. And second one actually is very helpful and very good tafsir by Sayyid Qutb Shahid. You know, he's a fifth writer of Quran Arabic language, very good. So this in Arabic. In Urdu language, I recommend two, two tafsirs, which are good, especially for the people who want to understand the Quran in their time. One is a tafsir of Tafhimul Quran by Mawla Mududi. Rahimullah ta'ala, it's a very good tafsir. He knows the mind of the uh, you know, educated people in our time. Uh, so he has written tafsir in good Urdu language for the people like that and, you know, focus on the right things, not in all those details which are not necessary. And second one is tafsir after the Burq Quran by Mawla Min Hassan Salahi, which is more based on the methodology of uh, Mawla Farahi, Rahmanullah Ta'ala. Uh, and it, it is more comprehensive than the Burq Quran. It teaches you how the Prophet understood the Quran and how we can understand our time. I think these two tafsirs will be helpful for most of the people. And I don't know much in English because I don't think there is a good uh, tafsir in English direct, directly written for English people. What is, what is the available translation? So if you get translation of Mawla Mududi's book, tafsir, or Amin Hassan Islahi's book, tafsir, uh, it, is, it, is, it is good. There need relief to write a tafsir directly in, in English. And one of my uh, intention, inshallah, is that after I finish my commentary on Sahih Muslim, I will try to write a short tafsir of the Quran, you know, easy translation, and also shorter tafsir with a, an introduction of every surah separately. And then after that, some uh, notes on those places in the Quran when people need to reflect. That's one of the intention, inshallah, make dua. Can we use zakat money for dry, hot food distribution for needy or vulnerable people, Muslims as well as non-Muslims, during this lockdown period? Yeah, you know, it's a very important question because there are people in, in the Hanafi madhab, they think zakat uh, be given to the poor people in a way that they own it, that they spend money. But most ulama, they allow 
that you can give the cat money in those projects you know which are helpful for the poor people even if the poor people don't own so i follow that opinion uh, but uh, one thing is uh, zakat money because zakat is only taken from the muslims not from non muslims so it must be spent on muslims the prophet said very clearly it should be taken from the poor of muslims and given given to the poor of muslims so you can make food from zakat money a dispute among the poor muslims but if you want to distribute food for non muslims you know i had some more money from the sadaqah from charity and then give to them but if you have intention that by giving uh, you know food to non muslims it will help them to come nearer to islam or they become more friendly to muslims more helpful that will certainly will happen if this is intention then zakat money can be given even to non muslims because there are quran says zakat money can be given wal muallafat qulubuhum for those muslims for those non muslims whose hearts are soft and you think they can be more turning to islam more uh, you know more reconciled to islam if this is then yeah then actually in this condition you can make food give the poor people and, and uh, muslims and non muslims both hoping that non muslims they will you know become soft for islam and muslims um, uh, so this uh, choice is still there yeah you can make this intention inshallah Sheikh, what is your opinion on online tarawi new trend is about doing tarawi and via online imam from the mosque um is it allowed or is it better to become imam at home and family members to pray behind and is it allowed to hold as is it allowed to hold the quran in hand while reciting on tarawi i just wrote an article today to some of the questions are answered you know i do for the holding mushaf in prayer for the further prayer we don't like because for the prayer you know you can learn a few small surahs and you can do your further but for the nafla prayer some muslims some people want to make longer special tarawi and not everybody knows quran by heart so i have given fatwa and that is the fatwa actually of imam malik shafi'i and humble most jurists in islam uh, that uh, people can hold the mushaf in their hand and read tarawi so you can do that and aisha uh, latanha she ask her slave that want to read the prayer nafl prayer in ramadan and this is mentioned in bukhari and muatta and other books of the hadith and he led the prayer while looking reading from the mushaf people ask him zuhri can people read from mushaf in the prayer he said yeah the elite people in uh, in medina they used to read from mushaf in the prayer so i wrote an article and mentioned that since you can do this i don't really think there is any need to follow an imam behind the screen because the reason you want to follow because you don't know the quran so you can hear his quran but now you can read quran from your own mushaf so i will not advise people to follow an imam on distance because the imam is someone who you can see and the rows are connected because sometimes the voice of the imam can be missing if something can happen then you are stuck you don't know what to do your prayer will not be valid so i don't uh, there are people who allow but i don't follow their i am going to write initially an article on this as well that people should not follow anyone on the, from the screen rather than they should read their own prayer from the mushaf if you can read from mushaf then ask someone in your house read the prayer and you can pray behind them but uh, men are not allowed to follow pray behind the women so you make sure if uh, somebody from the house let's uh, just uh, ravi the man then men and women both can follow if the she the woman so she can lead but only women can follow men are not allowed to follow so that uh, things should be kept in mind by any way i think the best thing in this is rather than following somebody behind the screen or on the tv best thing is to hold the musaf 
and do your own Tel Aviv. Does Sheikh advise the Imams to raise the issue of these bold Iraqis in Jummah Khutbah or would that cause controversy? No, no, people should do actually. If you keep scaring, that's why these people have got courage. They know nobody's going to talk about it. The fraud thing, really, this should be told by every Imam everywhere. And people should say, because it is happening on such a big scale, you cannot imagine. I've written, read some of stories. Those young people say how they have been abused when they were children. And now their life has been ruined. Many men and many women, their life has been ruined by these Imams and Ulama. It should be highlighted made up very clearly to people know how Islam comes for justice and you'll get reward for that because anybody who helps wronged people they get reward for that the imam should do many of you hearing they should publicize it let everybody know so it will help people and, and then people will be encouraged because this religion has come to for justice you know not to hide the crime actually rather than to make the people know the criminals so they can be, you know, now otherwise what have many, many women will keep sending their children to these imams to teach them Quran, but they don't know what's happening. And many young boys and young, young girls, they are abused. So you should teach this and you'll get reward. And that's why I'm going to write my intention. And that I'm telling my intention is not to, uh, you know, to harm anybody rather than to benefit people. So I want to benefit, uh, I want to help wronged people. Um, there was a related question that um, the Iraqi forces they they do exist and like last year there were like two Iraqi forces in the Bengali community um, and they were a social media couple. How do you distinguish between truthful Iraqis and false ones? I think you don't distinguish between anything. There are no Iraqi. Don't go to any Iraqi. You know any Iraqi, whatever they can do, any Muslim can do. People say it is Fatha yours people. So why can't you read your own Fatha? Why you need to go to Iraqi? Anything that Iraqi can done, can do, any Muslim can do. Don't go to Iraqi, go to doctors. If you have medical problem, you don't think really. When you are hungry, do you go to Iraqi? Do you eat food? When you are thirsty, do you go to any Iraqi? No, you just get drink. So when you are ill, why do you go to Iraqi? Just go to a doctor. You know, be cured. That's how the Prophet used to do. You know, people ask, Urban Zubair said, I ask my khala Aisha, the Latanha, oh khala, you know, you know Quran, I can understand, because you are wife of the Prophet. You know so many Sunnah, I can understand, you are wife of the Prophet. You know how to interpret the dream and poetry, because your father was the expert of poetry and uh, interpret the dream. But I don't understand why you know so much about the medical treatment. Where do you learn medicine? So she said, the reason is, whenever the Prophet used to fall ill, doctors, Arab doctors used to come and advise him. And I, the one who used to listen to those advice and make a medicine for him. That's how I learned. So she learned so much, she became expert of the medicine. So the Prophet said, if actually Quran was cured for all these problems, why the Prophet himself went to doctors and used medical treatment? And why medical treatment becomes such a big science in Islam? You know, Muslims were the you know, best people in medicine until very recently. Their books are the best book, but now we have left. So first thing is, we don't need really, and certainly Muslims should make dua. For dua, you don't need a raqi. And if you think that some surahs can help you, read yourself. So don't say, you know, distinguish between good raqi and bad raqi. If you keep saying this thing, nobody, there's nothing, no sign for good or bad raqi. You don't know really, because many people do, do things in hiding, in secret. First thing at more time is, ask people, don't go to any raqi. I, I tell you, once I was in my house in Oxford, 
an Arab lady, she phoned me. She said she had got a problem for uh, her son has illness, and people said to me that you can uh, you can do ruqya. So I said no. You people have sent you to the wrong person. I'm against all these things. There's no ruqya. So she said no, no. There are hadiths. You know, if you read Fatiha, it can help you if you read this. So I asked her, can't you read Fatiha? She said yes. So I said, but then why you come to me? If you think Fatiha can help, you can read yourself. That hadith said you have to go to an imam and alim. You know, don't make this good raqi and bad raqi. If you keep seeing this thing, it will spread. At the moment, what we need to say to the people is don't go to any raqi. And if you have a medical problem, go to doctor, ask Allah, trust in him. And if you want to read something from the Quran, do yourself. But don't go to any raqi. Please can you explain how the ayah jumps straight to riba only for one ayah? The ayahs do not talk about fighting or spending for jihad, but uses jihad to talk about sabr and taqwa. Salam from Abdul Alim. No, no, actually, if you read that these verses, they are talking about spending, about all those things and jihad. So they connected. I'll share a connection I'll make it because you know you can see before that the verse number 117 says, spending. So spending has started, then it comes to that again, spending will come. So it's all connected, connections is there. Maybe inshallah next week I'll explain in more detail. Can you read Quran for the recently deceased and donate them reward? I follow Hanafi, um, but I want to like, I like to follow the strongest opinion from Quran. So no. You know, you don't read, don't donate any reward, but what you can do, do good deeds like read the Quran, prayer, then pray for the people, make dua, oh Allah, this ill person, you know, cure him. We don't say that, oh Allah, give my reward to so and so. Because you can't transfer your reward and, and uh, uh, your reward for you. But after good deeds, your du'as are more accepted. So you can make du'as. That's the right opinion. Though some people allow to transfer the reward. But I don't think there is any authentic report or any sunnah in this matter. The, authentic, the strongest in Islam is that you do good deeds, but you make du'as. So you can do du'a for other people. Salam, Sheikh. I work as a psychiatrist. It's quite hard to make Muslim community understand that every mental health problem is not related to jinn and mag magic. Any advice on how to make people understand? First thing really is no mental problem is ever related to any jinn. The we have to teach people very, very clearly Allah never gave the jinn this power that they can possess anybody. If they could possess, they will possess all the imam. So we can't lead the prayer, we can guide, cannot guide the people. You know, why they need to whisper? Just think really that, you know, Allah said that jinn whisper people not to, you know, if jinn can hold me, they can possess me, why are they going to whisper? So this thing does not exist at all. Jinn never possess anybody. Jinn never bring any harm to anything like that. You know, they can only do those harm which anybody else can do, but they don't possess anybody. We need to make very clear. Magic is there, but my effect of the magic is very tiny, very small, not a big really. So when people have problem, what they need to do, turn to Allah, say, oh Allah, I got this illness, this problem, help me and cure me. Then after that, find out a good doctor and get help from it. You know, for everything, there is a specialist. People who are specialized for the medicine, for health problem, for mental problem, for psychological problem, go to the specialist. If you want to learn mathematics, and you come to me because I'm alim of the Quran, Quran is everything. You're wrong. Maybe Quran has everything, but Quran does not teach people how to about mathematics. And you think I know Quran, so I know mathematics. You are wrong.
you know, I know the guidance of the Quran, but for the mathematics, you need to find somewhere else. Even the farming, the Prophet did not know how to do the farming. So he otherwise was not very good. And he said that you people, in my life, if I get any health problem, I turn to the doctors. I don't think though I know Quran, so I know how to treat. For my family, my daughters, my wife, I don't treat them. And they go to the doctors. And I tell you really, all these Raqis, when they have their own problem, they don't go to Raqi, and they don't Rukia, they go to experts. I know one of the Raqi of London, he does Rukia for everybody else. And he had a problem, he came to me. I don't want to reveal the name. So just imagine really, if they had solution for every problem, why don't they solve their own problem? So, you know, I'll still tell you really that no single health problem which is connected to a gene. You know, it is made up by the people, they invented, it is lie, fabrication, like Ibn Hazrat said, it is all fabrication and lie of, you know, Raqi, they have made up, nothing existing at all. The problems, you know, are there and Allah has made a cure, go to the right people. And that, I like, you know, Khadiyah, when the Prophet Sallallahu got the first revelation, so came to her and said that, you know, something happened to me. It's like, just something happened to me. I don't know. So I, Khadija said, no, nothing happened to you. And then she explained properly. And what happened, she did not know. So she too, but what she knew, certainly nothing happened. No jinn has possessed him. Then no, no threat for his life, she knew. That what believers should be. If somebody is ill, tell him, no, nothing happened. No possession, no magic. You have got a problem, which I don't know. I'll take you to the right person, to a doctor. If you do this, you get reward. But if you cheat people, uh, deceive the people, it is sinful. The truth of the matter really is all, no, none of the health problem is ever related to any gene or any rock, anything. Just take to the people to the right place. Not necessarily cured, because not every illness is cured. But it does not mean that they have position from the gene. Sometimes even could be doctors say, I don't know what the problem. So they are more honest. They don't know, they say, don't know. These people, they lie, they don't know. They just pretend that they know. They don't know anything. They just pretend. I think doctors are more honest, trust in them more than these people. Is COVID-19 a ta'un? Does the hadith of ta'un include these pandemics? Yeah, okay. in Arabic language, when they use the word ta'un, plague, you know, they don't know the details of the illness. So they don't have a name for every single illness. Like for the Arabic language, they were rich for many, many details because they don't do details very well. But illness, they don't know. They, they were not so advanced. So all these, you know, epidemics that used to spread among the people, everything called ta'un. Even actually the hadith, majzum, firramain majzum firara kamil asad, you know, run away from majzum. The place jodam is a, a type of illness. Actually, many people think, no, it actually includes every, all those epidemics which spread, you know, which are, you know, which transmitted from one person to other person. You know, it goes for all the third. So what ta'un or jodam, they don't mean one is, you know, uh, illness. They actually include for every illness which can spread among the people. And did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam read tahajjud during Ramadan? You know, night prayer is, uh, you know, the Prophet used to do tahajjud with qiyamul layl all the time. In the Ramadan, he used to do qiyamul layl and also he to do more prayer. So that was the Aisha Lata said, the Prophet for Tahajjud prayer, he did the same raka all throughout the year, even Ramadan. In Ramadan, outside Ramadan, he did not increase anything. By Ramadan, certainly he increased some more prayers. So Tahajjud prayer that we know from the Prophet the authentic hadith are eight raka'ah. 
So that eight rakah is two, and plus taravi with three rakah. But other than with taravi, taravi more likely, I to my opinion, is twenty rakah. But they are not further. So if people can do twenty rakah, they can do ten rakah, they can do eight rakah, they can do four rakah, they even can two rakah. But you know whatever is easy for you, but do nicely. Whatever you do, or taravi, you know no no special number. Though though you know generally people you do twenty. But it does not mean you can't do more than that or less than you can. Or nafla, nafla prayer does not have, don't have number. Numbers can increase or decrease. Assalamu alaikum. May Allah put barakah in your life and work. Amin. Sheikh, is it compulsory to offer twenty rakah in the morning? No, I mentioned you know it. Tarawih is sunnah, and nafla prayer sunnah prayer. They don't have numbers like the uh, further prayer have. So you can have twenty rakah have been more widely known from the companions. But it could be some people even did more, some people did less than that. Don't worry about the number. More worry more what you can do easily. Focus. Even if you do two rakah nicely, properly, reflecting and uh, with hum- humility and with khushu, you'll get more reward than those who do two rakah and get rush. You know because in the prayer there should be no rush. You have time to you can do twenty rakah. Don't worry about the number. I don't think number is so important. So don't worry about twenty or ten or. Just do whatever easily you can do. You know the Prophet did travi two days, three days. Then he did not come out, and the companions asked him why didn't you come out. He said, I don't want this prayer to become obligatory on my ummah because it will be hardship for them. If he did not make obligatory, nobody has right to make obligatory. People have choice to do or not to do. It's up to you. Can you perform umrah or hajj on behalf of the deceased? Yeah, you know, Umrah and Hajj, they can, any ibadah which involves money, it can be done on other people's behalf. Though the ibadah is done by the body, like prayer, fasting, that you cannot do on anybody's behalf. But spending money, like Sadaqah, Zakat, Umrah and Hajj, these things you can do on other people's behalf. There is a lot of confusion and conspiracies about COVID, lockdown, vaccines, etc. It is very difficult to know the truth or reality with regards to these even experts differ. How should lay people deal with the situation as they do not have expertise to decide or even understand? There is a lot, there's lots of messages shared on WhatsApp, Facebook, etc. You know, these details really are unnecessary. And it's the same like, you know, you read Surah Al-Kahf and you read the story of people of the cave. You take lesson from that and Quran teaches very nicely. But some people's focus is what were their number, you know, and what was the name of the dog. What are the, their names and what the reality and what the history behind them, what the town where they were and all the details, millions of details, people keep fighting and keep disputing. Quran said, don't worry about that. They don't benefit. Now so many people are making conspiracy and I don't believe in anything. I said really, knowledge only that knowledge. If you accuse anybody of this conspiracy, can you take to them to the court and you have enough evidence against them? No. Then don't, don't gossip. You know, some people say it is conspiracy from China. Some people say it is from uh, America. Some people say from Russia. Some people accuse Jews. Some people accuse the West. Some people accuse uh, some, uh, uh, you know, secretive uh, movements which are in secret. They do all these things. They listen to shaitan. There are so many opinions. Tell me, and everybody has their own argument. It will be more confusion. If basically you don't know anything, so instead of wasting your time about these matters, it has come anyway, and it, nothing happens without the will of Allah. So, it's the will of Allah. We need to know how how to behave, 
Because if you spend your time to find out the truth, I'll tell you, you will die and truth will never be revealed to you. You never know really. It's impossible. So wasting time behind something which people have no access to know, it, it is stupidity. So don't worry, don't read this stuff, don't circulate, and just focus what your duty is, what you can. Allah will not going to ask you who made this conspiracy, but certainly going to ask you what you did, how you helped the people, how did you behave, or how did you reflect. So know your duty. Always listen, always think about the questions which you're going to ask in the day of judgment. Don't worry about the questions which is not your concern. Zakala khair for the explanation, Sheikh. Um, I agree that people should do their own rupiah. However, I've seen supernatural phenomena with my own eyes that can't be attributed to a health condition. Supernatural phenomena, nobody denies. Maybe you have seen your eyes and many people can see. So what, what does it mean? Does it mean raqi are right? You know, how is that connected to raqi? You know, in this world, there are so many angels, millions and millions of angels, so many jinnis, and so many creations which we don't know really. So maybe sometime Allah made you to see something. Since you have seen something, does it mean that all raqis are right? And jinn can possess people? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, prophets used to see more than us. Still, they did, did not teach anything like that. Allah knows more than us. Still, he does not teach that jinn can possess. You know, I, if I start saying something, and a problem also is you don't know really. Many times that people think they see. They're not, not necessarily they see. Sometimes imagination, sometimes not proper seeing. Even if you see, I don't want to doubt your seeing. It, even if you see something, it is never, never proof that people should go to Raqi. Because, you know, we have to follow the guidance of Allah and Messenger, and they never ask people to go to Raqi. So we should be careful in this matter. Israwi, nafu prayer or sunnah prayer, I come across different answers. And can you make it clear where the Prophet, the Prophet prayed more than eight regards in Ramadan? Well, I think the, all the prayers which are not further, the, in Arabic language, they're called nafla, means additional prayer. But among the nafla prayers, some are emphasized, some are not emphasized. So they're called sunnah. Those who are emphasized more, they're sunnah. Like four rakah before zuhr, two rakah before fajr. These are sunnah. They're nafla, but still they are more emphasized. They're called sunnah. So people who say travel uh, nafla, they mean they're not further. But those who say sunnah, they want to say it is more emphasized. So yeah, it is more emphasized because the prophets have did alone, and the companions have been doing and so they have been doing it, but mostly they used to do on their own, not in Jama'ah, except those people who cannot, uh, don't have a space at home or something like that. Then the mosque, they do in Jama'ah, but otherwise people used to do at home. More people used to do 20 rakah, but there are people who did more or less than that. I've written an article actually on this matter, on the rakah, the travi, and all those. Read them, so it will save my time, your time. But somebody has the answer, don't worry about the number. You can do 20 rakah, you can do 10 rakah, you can do 8 rakah, you can do 6. More focus should be on your, you know, attention in the prayer, focus in the prayer, that had more reward. This is the last question. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. The denial of illness, the denial of illnesses related to gym session and magic is often associated with being the opinion of the Mu'tazila straying away from mainstream Islam. Is this true? It's not true, really. People have been saying that, you know, in the Quran, Quran makes very clear the jinn don't possess. So people who say possess, they are the one who are not in the mainstream. And people like Imam Tahavi, the Hanafi, he has written, it's not allowed, and, you know, uh, don't possess anybody. Ibn Muhammad Zahiri was not Mu'tazila, he has written this thing. So there are people, Imam Shafi Rahmanullah said, if somebody, you know, said, possessing a jinn, I will uh, uh, invalidate his, his witness. So people have been saying, actually, in the, I, I know many ulama uh, from them, and 
Deoband, they said, no, nothing happened really. These people have just made up the story of position of the jail. It's not a man, it is, you know, it, it, something happens subverted and everybody just say, do you think that mainstream? Mainstream Islam is everything happened with the, with the help of Allah, with the will of Allah, and mainstream of Islam is if you are hungry, eat food. If you are thirsty, drink the water. And if you are, you know, ill, then take the medical uh, treatment. That is the mainstream of Islam. If anybody teaches you something different from that, they are not on the mainstream. Okay. Okay, stop it here. Wa akhudu na'ala, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen.